So we're coming to the, excuse me, to the uh, last day, well, we're on in the last day of the retreat now. It's always interesting the last day because the mind jumps forward to the end often, to the end of the retreat and what's going to happen next. And, and yet it still is retreat time, retreat time. Excuse me. So uh, these vipalasa, they are distortions of reality or distortions of perception of reality, you could say. And uh, they can be very um, tangible and resilient. They can be very believable. They can be what we, uh, you know, how we perceive the world, what we see through the lens that we look through. And the teaching is bringing us back to the present. And not just being present, but being curious about the present and seeing the present within the context of of the big picture of endless change. So today, so over the retreat, I've had different pictures of Pembrokeshire. And today I have a picture of uh, the Rosette Nebula behind me, which was apparently taken by somebody in Pembrokeshire. <laughs> there I am. And the Rosette Nebula is a place where stars Hundreds and hundreds of stars are forming. Uh, nebulas, sometimes they are the result of the ending of a star, and sometimes they are a place of birth of new stars, and perhaps both, actually. I, mean, I would imagine that that's the two aspects of the same process. So the Rosette Nebula is the place, it's like a nursery for stars that are being formed right now. So it's, you know, it's good to have that big picture. We can get very small in our life and me and mine and what's happening, where I'm going, and, and uh, get very uh, sensitive also on retreat about uh, different feelings that arise, feeling tones and moods and... and uh, we can get a little bit more precious in a way because we've had this time of settling and deepening and stilling. And then at some point the world, you know, the world doesn't stop when we go on retreat. It carries on. We just retreat from it for a while. And then as we step back in, it can be sometimes jarring, challenging. So the teaching is inviting us to be interested curious about what's going on, excuse me, what's going on now at any given moment, what is actually happening in our environment, in our body, in our mind, how are we meeting the moment? What is our tendency, our habitual tendency? Can we just see it as that, not as how things actually are, but as a tendency a tendency to maybe resist or um, want to push away or want to bound into the future, some wonderful future possibility, or to, 
you know, blame somebody else for things not being perfect. The fact is things are never perfect or they are always perfect depending on how you want to look. But the nature of samsara is there's always a fault somewhere. So it's not to be looking for whose fault it is, it's the fault that's built in. It's meant to be there. So what we want to do is take responsibility for our own body, speech and mind. To remember the big view, the big view of constant change. Everything is changing all the time. Stars are being formed, coming into being, the stars are dying. There are mysteries we don't understand, black holes and you know, the big mysteries. And then there's, when we look down really, really tiny, it gets even more mysterious, like what is going on? It's not like there is some sort of material that, that this is all made up from. It's, it's a little mysterious. Even the scientists have to acknowledge it's a bit hard to fathom where all of this comes from, where it goes to, this, uh, this material, material form yeah, on the basic level, and then our, our, our perceptions of things, our thoughts, our feeling tones, our sense experience, all of these things are, are conditioned, they arise, they go through a process and then they pass away. They lean on other things. So this body leans on really the whole universe, actually. You know, the food that this body is fed by is nurtured by the earth, and the earth is formed from the bodies of many, many beings and many plants and fruits. And the plants that this body eats are nurtured by the sun. And they have this amazing sort of magical, mysterious ability, the plants, to make food out of light. And that food that's made out of light can nourish a bison, a great, big, powerful bison that just eats green grass. Amazing. So here we are in this kind of extraordinary situation that we often take for granted. And it's all a little bit mysterious. And uh, if we can meet our experience with that sense of curiosity and a little bit of wonder, then there's a possibility to move out of the old habits and the old patterns. And at first, of course, we're going to just keep on doing what we're used to doing. We'll keep reacting in the old usual ways. But if we can bring curiosity to that, oh, like I was saying yesterday, you know, my response is irritation, and then my sister's response is anxiety you know it's like the two different responses to the same triggers neither of them are quite aligned 
and they're both equally valid and equally invalid in a way. So getting getting curious about this life, this uh, this showing up, this possibility. With the Noble Eightfold Path, the Buddha is giving us a way to live. It's a way to live that covers everything in life. It covers the way, it starts off with the way we perceive life, or the way we perceive our experience. So not perceiving things as solid, fixed, not perceiving yourself as an absolute somebody who really is like this. But recognizing that all of it is a process. What we put in influences what we are. What we eat, what we drink, what we think, what we watch, what we listen to, who we hang out with, what we do with our lives. All of this influences what we are. So we do have some choice over this. We don't have to just follow a set pattern. So understanding the, the ever-changing nature of things and understanding that no thing is, no one and no thing is absolutely individual and separate. We're all part of each other. We all support each other, lean, lean on each other, breathe together. There's no ultimate separation because there's no ultimate thing. Everything that comes together arises for a while and then falls apart. It's the nature of things. Things, people, stars, galaxies, all of it. So if we can remember this and and just hold our experience a little lighter, a little more lightly. Then there's a there's a freedom in that, and there's a possibility to see more clearly. There's a possibility to step out of the old fixed patterns and to experience in a fresh way. So seeing the impermanent nature of things. Seeing that holding on, trying to hold on to what is changing is dukkha, it's unsatisfactory. It's frustrating, disappointing, can be in out and out suffering. But being with the changing nature of things is rather wonderful. Intriguing, it's it's uh, revealing, it's a teaching, unfolding with every breath, with every new morning, with every end of the day. It's an unfolding teaching of impermanence. And what is impermanent and unsatisfactory isn't ultimately who and what we are. 
So this body, these feeling tones, pleasant, painful, neutral. The perceptions that we have, they change. They change over time. And they can change, like if we're sick, we perceive things one way. If we're well, we perceive things another way. If we're with, if we're feeling safe and with good friends, we perceive things this way. And if we're in an environment where we feel vulnerable, then we perceive things in a different way. So our perceptions change all the time. Our thoughts, you know, you sit down to meditate and just decide, okay, I'm going to sit down to meditate and I'm going to have no thoughts. Yeah, try it. Thoughts do what they do. Or like my, my big sister who I'm with now, I remember when we were children, when, you know, I'm seven years younger than her, so I was, you know, the result, that was, uh, she used to like to sort of play little tricks on me and things. So I remember once we were in a room together, I don't know, maybe six, six or something like that, and and then she said, okay, I'm going to go out of the room for a little bit, but, and, then, and you can think about anything, but don't think about pink elephants. <laughs> so she says this and goes out the room, and of course, all I can think about is pink elephants. Why did she say that? Why pink elephants? What's that about? Oh, and I wonder what they're like. Where do they live? So, of course, I'm thinking about pink elephants the whole time. And she comes back in and asks me what I was thinking about. And it's like, yeah, pink elephants. Because our thoughts, we're not, as con- we're not as in control of our thoughts as we would like to be. Thoughts arise based on certain causes and conditions. And they, you know, they do their thing and then they pass. So uh, thoughts are not self. And our sense experience, that's a inter- very, very interesting thing to explore. You know, just one at a time, because we have these six senses. Yeah, seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, touching, and thinking, or perceiving. The mind being the sixth sense in Buddhism. And these are going on all the time. This is what we call me and my life and my experience. We can we sort of slur it all together as me. It's very, very interesting just to just take just pick one and explore it. Sight, seeing. So seeing is never even if you even if you're looking at the same thing, it's never the same for one moment after the next. It's constantly changing. It's kind of amazing once you start to see it. It's like, oh, this, you know, I, I, the mind says this is this is a thing. This is solid. This is a wall. This is a jacket. This is a nebula. Whatever. The mind puts labels on things, calls things things, and you know, things are thinging for a while, but there's no absolute something there. It's all it's all process. And with, with the eyes, you know, when we're looking around. What we're seeing is changing all the time. Close our eyes, it's changed again. So get curious about it. Maybe maybe scent is your strength. Just notice how scents arise and influence our experience and then pass away again. Pleasant scents, interesting scents unpleasant sense, 
They come and they go and, and we're influenced by them. But they're not who and what we are. We don't really have control over them to any great degree, a little bit. So to, just to encourage you to explore this experience of being alive. Explore it with fresh eyes, fresh senses, fresh curiosity. Notice the ever-changing nature of things. And then seeing, you know, how when it's when there's a pleasant experience, we want to hold on to it. We want it to last, we want to keep it. Or we might lose it and we want to try and get it back. So this is the underlying tendency to greed that is there, tucked away under pleasant feeling tone. We have an unpleasant experience and we want to just get away from it as soon as possible. We want to get on to the next thing. We want to avoid it, never have to face it again. Or blame somebody else for it. So this is the underlying tendency to aversion is hidden under unpleasant feeling tone. And then there's the big experience of nothing in particular. So I have this picture of the Rosette Nebula, which is in the vast expanse of the sky. And between every little star that's forming there, there's, there's vast expanses of nothing in particular. So our experience is like that. There's lots and lots of nothing in particular not particularly special, not particularly interesting, not particularly sensational, just breathing and sitting, standing, walking, lying down. There's a lot of just rather ordinary stuff that goes on in a day, most days. And that's also to be noticed and acknowledged, so hidden Underneath the nothing in particular, the neither pleasant nor unpleasant, is the underlying tendency to ignorance, the tendency to ignore, to not want to be bothered, to not notice. So then we're, we're kind of like uh, slaves in a way, that we're just pulled around by the sensational, the interesting, the pleasant. And then we're, we're also gripped by the unpleasant, gripped by it. We're fight to get away from it and we're not uh, exercising our potential to be aware of the whole experience of life and as we open to the whole experience interesting things happen it's not that we're just like okay mindful while washing out mindful while walking across the carpet you know that's part of it but it's, it needs to be, that's almost like a little sort of running commentary that takes away from the actual experience. So to, to really bring your attention to what you're doing, to how you're perceiving, to how you respond, and then just see, is it, you know, is there, can this be guided? Can you guide your response to life? in a more wholesome way? Can you appreciate the good that is already being 
lived in your life? Can you open to the nothing in particular? Can you find, uh, allow the difficult stuff, the difficult people, the difficult situations to be an opportunity rather than a problem? An opportunity to you know, get more strong, more clear, more resilient, make better boundaries, whatever it may be. So it's all here for us to learn from this life. And the teaching is always about this present moment, this living present moment. It's always about this. It's always about how we meet this, how we understand this, how we create things, solid, fixed views and ideas and perceptions from you know, past experiences, and then undoing that fixedness into a, a flow, into a process. So I end my morning reflection there. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.